0: the Advancing Women in Sport podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Michelle Redfern. In this first season, not just a statistic, I'm bringing you the stories of women in sport from career start to the boardroom. Every episode is with an amazing woman from a range of different sports and a range of different positions in sport. And every episode is going to give you some actionable insights as a sports fan, as a member, as an administrator, as a leader to take action on how to close the leadership gender gap in sport. I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Hello again, Michelle.
0: How are you this morning? Yeah,
1: very good, Karen.
0: Always the better for talking to you.
1: <laughs> You're very sweet. Look, I've really loved talking to you during our last pre-launch episode, and this time we're going to be talking about your observations about gender inequality, but more about the reports that you've done and the analysis that you've found from those. And to me, you come across as a sort of a see problem, fix problem type of woman. So I'm just wondering what you do with the research and the data that you gather and how important that is for you going forward in trying to fix the problems you're seeing.
0: Thank you, Karen. I am a see and fix kind of person or, or get shit done, as I like to say. So when Sarah, so Sarah, who works with me on research and content, when we first started this exercise, the first report we focused on gathering really aggregating a bunch of data and facts and data that were out there. The problem that I saw, which I alluded to in when we first spoke, was around how does a busy sporting administrator consume the sheer volume of data that will educate them about what steps to take to close the leadership gender gap? Because there's a lot out there. There's a lot of academic data too, which is, with the greatest of respects to ac- academics, not always easy to consume. It's always quite big, a lot of volume. So Sarah and I focused in report one, focused on aggregating data so that there was an easy to read, these are the facts. This is where we are right now when it comes to being a woman in sport across Australia. In the second report, I went, okay, we need to go deeper and we need to start giving more detail again about about lived experience, but more information about, so what does that mean? But also, what do people in sport really think? What are their sentiments? So I surveyed nearly a thousand people, um, invited people to participate in a survey, a desktop survey and both quant and qual and then some qualitative interviews following that desktop survey. And out of that, we came up with attitudes and sentiments about women in sport. And these attitudes and sentiments were from men, women and non-binary people. They were from all sports, all sorts of different sports and from all sorts of, of geographies and all career stages. And it was just so fascinating to see how complex and contradictory the information was. For example, we know that Men dominate sport and dominate leadership in sport. And the vast majority of men recognise that there's a problem. We don't have enough women. We don't have enough women in leadership. But then in other parts of the research they kind of said, "But actually, no. There's nothing to see here." So the, the the answers were fascinating, and I would say infuriating for a lot of people, but also frustrating because if if you were to look at this data in a in a raw sense, you'd go, "Well, what the hell do I do about it?" Because I, on one hand, people are saying, "Yeah, there's an issue," and 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 I'll be over. It. And on one hand, men were saying, "Yeah, there's an issue," but on the other hand, saying, "But really, there's nothing to see here," and I don't see it as my role to do anything about it. And this is not a you know this is not a, a slap at men in any way shape or form but it's a a way of saying "Wowie," this is complex and contradictory, and it means that we need to get really, really granular, particularly at a at an organisational level, to say what is really going on in your organisation and how do we create simple but tailored solutions. So things that that came out of that were, you know, we we do have a big problem, and the trouble is that because the information is so fragmented and there's there's a lot of data out there, but it's not easy to get and it's not easy to sift through. So we we spent a lot of time sifting through and then building our own data sets. And of course, if if that's fragmented, of course, the approach is going to be fragmented. And fragmentation, well, divide and conquer has been a, a war strategy since, I don't know, since people started talking about strategies in war. There's very much a fragmented approach, not a joined up or system level approach to solving gender inequity. And of course i was not seeing then and we're talking about in 217218 karen I wasn't necessarily seeing those men who dominate, who are in ninety percent of the roles in sport, ninety percent of the leadership roles in sport. I wasn't seeing an overt way to engage them in win their hearts, their minds, and their efforts to help close the leadership gender gap, which of course resulted in a lack of intentional, purposeful, deliberate stuff to close that gap. So that was what I knew. That's report two. And that's, you know, again, it's a it's about creating awareness, but then about saying, so what can I do about that? So so I can, I can see this all these contradictions and what you can do about it. There are some very simple steps. The reports were designed to create that awareness, but also designed so that I could hand on heart, stand on a platform and say, I have facts and data. I know what the problem is. Now let me work with you to solve it. Um, the first thing I, I say to any clients, whether they're in business or in sport is don't assume you know what your problem is. Because you, until you go out and seek out that, you know, really understand the facts, the data, the lived experience, you actually, you're assuming, do not spend a cent until you've done a really good diagnostic because I see lots of cents and lots of dollars spent over the course of my career on solutions to a problem that we actually haven't defined well enough. But also don't assume you're not affected, you are affected and you can go places if, if, if you get this done, but be deliberate and just start. So that was, yeah, that was report two, but very, very surprising. So,
1: so you've gathered all of this wonderful or not so wonderful data <laughs> What did you decide to do with it then,
0: Michelle? Lots of different things. So it's interesting because the, the, the data around sports leadership, you know, gender, uh, basically gender equity in sport, it, it is wider, that gap is wider in sport than it is in industry or in in business. However, it provides a very, very good set of case studies. And even for my work in in the corporate arena and, and in business, it's useful. So I used it to inform myself about how to get more deliberate and certainly more useful basically to the sporting sector. So it allowed me to get very, very focused, laser focused on what I needed to do. And what I needed to do was really dial up my advocacy work around engaging male allies and starting to seek out who were who are the men who've got the appetite, the capability and the capacity to, to start taking this forward. You know, when I say men, I, I, I'm saying men, Karen, because we know that 86% of very senior roles in sport are still occupied by men. So how do I become a solution, a trusted advisor, a trusted partner, someone to listen to because I know... What's going on? I'm not going to judge you. I just want to help you start closing your leadership gender gap. So I used it to, as a platform to really amp up my advocacy for closing the leadership gender gap in sport. I used it to educate myself even further. So, you know, what do I need to focus on? You know, if you focus on everything, you focus on nothing. So I used it to focus on the right things and where I needed to build more skills and more understanding. So I've spent much more time learning about some other layers, particularly around the intersectionality and women aren't a homogenous group. We identify in all sorts of different ways. And my experience as a middle-aged white educated gay woman is a very different to a 35 year old Aboriginal straight woman, you know, and we're not, we're not homogenous and we have different experiences and we have different barriers to encounter. So I used it to really help be targeted about my own development so I could be of use to the industry.
1: And how, how big is this problem? we're talking about this gender inequality in sport is it is it australian is it global how large is this problem
0: it, it is large it's it, it is global and there are degrees you know and, and different geographies will have different different problems you know i i I can't go past in in 2021, you know, we saw the Taliban retake control of Afghanistan and one of the first, you know, you you see the work that Craig Foster and others do to try and get sports people out of Afghanistan, particularly women. There's been some amazing stuff there because women were told they can no, no longer play sports. It's not appropriate. And, you know, so there's a just a fundamental problem through to we see in America, we've got the US women's soccer team currently going through a, a whole bunch of really disturbing legal and, and social battles around sexual misconduct. I, I suppose closer to home for me, I see my beloved Australian rules football with very few women head coaches and in the aflw so the, the the women's version not the aflm there are no women coaches full stop and uh, interestingly our first guest interview which i've already let out of the bag lisa alexander's got some pretty strong words to say about that but in the aflw as it stands right now at the end of season 21 not one female coach in the women's game. Now, we are going to see that change in 2022 and beyond, because we've seen the unreal. Bec Goddard appointed as head coach of Hawthorne, who are coming into the the AFLW. And we've seen the AFLW Vision presented in the last week or so by Nicole Livingston which says they want to have 50-50 coaching. So, you know, the problem is broad, it's deep and it's not confined to one geography, but there are layers and layers and layers.
1: So there's a lot to be done. There sure is. And and you're the woman to do it, I might
0: say. Well, it's going to take a whole bunch of us. I see myself as someone who can, as we talked about before, Karen, I can see as someone who I am very dedicated to surfacing information that's useful that we can turn into actionable insights for the sporting sector. So if, if that's my role, that's my role and because as i said that fragmentation that is the enemy of change because when we all get together yet yeah, with volume comes voice and with voice comes change so when there are a whole bunch of voices and effort you know hearts minds hands all working together in a very deliberate intentional way that's when you make progress so that's when social change occurs you've only got to look at any of the the civil rights movement women's lib you know black lives matter when you start to get that yeah that 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 chorus of voices saying we need change Change. And then, if you've got people like me and others there to say, and this is how you do it, and we'll help you do it, that's when we're going to see change.
1: Hunting and gathering—you're becoming an expert, I think, at <laughs> <of> that <laughs> in your own special yeah. sort of there way. I'm, I'm
0: busting a—I'm uh, busting even a, a myth of, around you know when we were all living in caves and things like that. I was a hunter-gatherer rather than whatever people in caves did, but anyway, there you go.
1: Let's talk, Michelle, about the pandemic and how that's impacted your latest research.
0: Yeah. So I briefly touched on it last time, but it was, you know, timing's everything, Karen. And I was ready to ready to launch this third research report, a set of stories about women in sport, which we've had literally ready for a little while. And then just thought, you know what, I am a sporting administrator. I We are fighting for survival. And I thought, I, I just couldn't lay another bit of research onto my friends and colleagues and people in my network in sport. I just knew it would gather dust quite literally. So I held it. I held it for 12 months. You know, the first year I went, oh yeah, once 2020 is done and the pandemic's over, yeah, we'll get back onto that. Then 2021 comes around. And I went, oh, Okay, so this is not going anywhere. What do I need to do to be really in tune with and sensitive to the needs of both women and the sporting sector? How can I have the most impact? And that's when after a bit of brainstorming and, you know, 2am brain farts, as I call them, I went, you know what, why don't I deliver these stories of these incredible women in a format that so many more people are tuning into um, with the podcast? And the, you know, not just an hour of power, but they, it is an hour of power with every every woman that I've I've interviewed. But a companion article, some tools, uh, resources, but importantly, actionable insights with every episode. So that's why we've delayed it two years because I simply needed to be in service of the sporting industry. Not it's important, but not bombarding them with stuff they had no appetite to deal with.
1: That's where we landed exactly. And I think given the pandemic and the last two years. In Australia, people have really come to warm to podcasts on their, you know, hour walk or their two hours exercise. They can listen, and it's just a great way to to listen into your favorite podcast. In future, obviously, to this, this podcast. <laughs>
0: I am a late adopter of podcasts. I'm I'm relatively late, only a couple of years or two or three years I've been listening. I used to think, what is this podcast business? I don't understand it. Then of course you find one. And I remember my first podcast I ever subscribed to was the Outer Sanctum podcast, you know, amazing group of women talking about footy. Um and I went, Oh, hello. Now I now I get it. And of course, you know, then it goes from there. So yeah, so I'm gonna keep doing it. I we will have season two and season two is gonna be even more exciting because I'm broadening the geography. I'm broadening and deepening the the type of people I'm interviewing, uh, all genders, and really interviewing people who are smashing the patriarchy in sport. So,
1: and it won't be just athletes, will it? It'll be
0: other people. I have ex-athletes on this season, but no, I I really am focusing on sporting administrators. And of course, sports an ecosystem. Like there, are, there's the media, as you well know. There's you know, there's the administrators at grassroots. There's elite. There's the you know, like the sports integrity commissions. There's so there there's a big Big, big system. It is massive. So there are a lot of people out there who are doing some great stuff. And again, I want to amplify their profile and their voices so that they can get more people swinging in behind them and the work that they're doing, so that we can all you know, together close that leadership gender gap in sport.
1: Fantastic. And can you give us just a little bit of an idea of what we might be able to expect in season two?
0: Yeah. Well, the working title is the boys' club. It's people who are dismantling the patriarchy or smashing the patriarchy in sport, and I have taken huge, huge amounts of license with uh, with that because I read a book earlier this year from Michael Warner called The Boys' Club about the Australian Rules Football League uh, and industry and it gave me much inspiration. It gave me a lot of outrage as well, but it gave me much inspiration. And well, you never know, we might just be interviewing Michael as well. So Michael doesn't know that yet, but anyway, I'm stalking him as we speak.
1: (laughs) Oh, look, he he will be clambering to come on the podcast, I'm sure, after hearing these two teasers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, fabulous to speak to you as always, Michelle. Can't wait to speak to you again on our pre-launch episode three. So I will see you then.
0: Thanks, Karen. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples' continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to Elders both past and present. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope that you can gain a lot of insights and importantly, take action wherever you may work in sport. Please, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating. It really helps to spread the word. And of course, please do share this episode with your friends, with your colleagues and with your network of people in sport, because together we can close the leadership gender gap.